it's not just about doing it for the client. It's about sort of letting them see everything that you're doing for them so that they understand the value that they're getting from you. Not requiring someone who doesn't have any experience in technology to know anything technical. That's a big driving factor in our product to be able to give that human touch without requiring the load to be on your end user. Customer Satisfaction Project. A place where we explore how business leaders are pushing the boundaries, providing exceptional customer service, growing high performing support teams, and having a blast along the way. Together with SimpleSat co founder and CEO, Corey Brown, join with our head of marketing, Nash Mywella. Let's get right to it. Before we continue, let's take a quick break with a word from our sponsor. You know what they say about what gets measured gets managed, right? But are you actually getting the right information to measure? Are you getting to the pulse of your customer satisfaction with your service? Are you finding it hard to get your customers to tell you what they really feel about your company? Enter SimpleSat, the customer feedback system that works. Delight your customers into leaving you an accurate feedback, catch them at the right place and at the right time, and get an accurate feedback loop. Measure, manage, then elevate your customer's experience so they're never not satisfied. To learn more, check out simplesat.io to get your free 14-day trial. Again, that's simplesat.io. Thank you so much for joining us tonight or today, this morning. (laughs) Al and Alex from Tier 2 Tech or Help Desk Button. And together with me is Corey, the co-founder of SimpleSat. Hey, Corey, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Nash? Pretty good. Thanks. I want to know and get to know more of the story, like Tier 2 Tech, like how you guys started. Yeah, so Tier 2 Technologies, we're a team of technical fixers. Alex, our CEO, he owns an MSP himself. And a lot of the problems that we solve, like you said, people may know us from Help Us Buttons or Tier 2 Ticket. That's our our flagship product. And that came out of our experience um, and Alex's specifically experience with the MSP sector. So with his market, trying to figure out how to get people to submit a really good ticket with really good information so that we can follow up with that and you know, look at the diagnostics, be able to identify what's going on quickly and resolve it quickly so that we can have better client satisfaction and retention. With our small team, we have about five developers and we've got a small team of about five developers and all of us have various degrees of experience in the help desk industry, in technologist, technology backgrounds, creating good things and with a very human aspect, but a tech force on, on what we're creating. So... At my MSP, one of the big things that we focus on more than just about anything else is is communication. So we really want to have a really good line back and forth with our clients. And we find that having really good communication forgives almost any sin. So even if we screw up, even if we don't deliver the way that we're supposed to, or we do, as long as the customer is in the loop and they know what's going on and we're going back and forth and we're talking with them and we're hearing them and, and they're hearing us, everything is just much, much easier. And your relationships are better and they know that you're on their team and they know that you're bored. We had issues a long, long ago with texts that would 
do a lot of work and they wouldn't talk to the client first. They wouldn't tell the client that they were fixing it. You know, they'd have an emergency and we'd spring into action and everybody's you know, running around trying to fix something for them. And nobody's telling the client, hey, it's a swarm of bees here. We're all working for you very hard. And the client thinks that we're ignoring their problem. So a lot of our platform and a lot of the focus of my MSP and also tier two technologies is just really to improve communication, have really strong back and forth and, you know, just strengthen the relationship that you have with clients. I noticed like a common denominator, most especially for uh, companies that are so into satisfying their customers they always like focus on communication, like over communication. Right. I was thinking the same thing, Nash. Yeah. Right. That makes perfect sense. Alex, I want to shift gears for a bit, actually. I want to understand, like, what's your story? Like, how did you start or the genesis? Yeah. I'm curious if like, is there an aha moment as well? So my MSP started because my parents were tired of me sleeping on their couch. But a few years later, we found internally as we're, you know, trying, we're struggling with the same things that all MSPs are struggling with, which is you're trying to figure out where you're spending your time and figure out how to make your ticket resolution more efficient and faster. And as we're looking at this and really, really trying to look at it, we're sort of looking at the edges at stuff that people don't normally look at, which is how much time you spend not solving the ticket, how much time you spend just trying to get good information to get started. So, you know, technician, you go back and forth and back and forth and we, we would get a ticket, you know, uh, my computer's broken. Somebody send in something, you know, like that. And you can't do anything with that. You have to get the person back on the phone and call them and track them down and get them to give you an example and get them to show you what's going on. And maybe you can't get them or maybe they're busy. And we realized we're spending more time doing the initial investigation and follow-up than actually fixing the issue. Once we know what the issue is, usually we can fix it pretty quickly. You know, every once in a while, it's tricky, but most of the time, it's pretty easy. So we spend all of this time just trying to track down our end users and figure out what they actually mean by their problem. And we struggle with like intermittent issues. Oh, I'm getting this error message, but it's not happening now. Or, oh, this thing was happening. It's not happening now. It happens every once in a while. And uh, those things are impossible to figure out. You're just guessing at it and guessing at it and guessing at it. So we wanted to try and find a way to sort of trap that in time, you know, when the person is having the problem getting you know, a snapshot of everything that's happening on their computer right then, everything that's happening on their network, screenshots of what they've been doing. And that was sort of where the help desk button concept came from. Uh, we, built it, we built the first version in-house in like one day. And it was terrible. And it was kind of a joke. You know, we're like, we should just have something where they can hit it when they have a problem, you know, uh, like a panic button or something. But we liked the idea and we kept playing with it. And uh, we built it out for our clients. Everybody liked it. Some of the other MSPs in town were asking us, hey, where are you guys getting these? So well, we made it ourselves. And we decided well, we should probably sell this to people. So and so that's, that's our company and that's our story. It's been pretty well received. So the timeline is uh, they had their first beta product uh, end of 2017. We worked on it for a while and then, you know, had it internally in-house. And then we prepared it for our beta offering in July of 2019. If I work on for something for too long, I get bored with it. So, you know, you got to move quickly and keep it interesting, keep it, keep it moving along. 
But yeah, so we've been running with this and it's really just all about having good client relationships, good customer satisfaction. That's kind of the keystone of my MSP. A lot of MSPs are very sales focused and they're all about what can I sell to people? How long can I say, you know, can I lock them in for three years or five years? And I have to sell and market and sell and market and get as many people signed up as I can. And I'm going to have this churn year over year that I have to replace. And I didn't know that. I had no idea that that's how the industry worked because I had never gone to any industry events and I'd never done any sales training. My MSP, we just sort of focus on customer satisfaction. That's all we've ever done. And uh, the first time I went to a, an industry event, some guy came and he spoke and I learned that I've been doing everything wrong all this time. Just everything he said was, I was like, oh man, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm doing everything wrong. And I went back and I looked at it and tried to figure out what was going on because what this guy was telling me was industry numbers and how the industry operated. But as I looked around, I realized, you know, we're actually doing okay. We have a pretty good MSP. How is that happening? We realized it's because we don't have any churn. We don't lose clients ever. We never lose clients. And we don't have any sales and marketing. We don't have a budget for that. I'm the salesperson and, and this is not great for sales. So we don't have that budget either. So we're not losing customers. We're not spending money on sales. We're just doing client satisfaction. And we just always try to go above and beyond. And our customers turn around and sell us. And we've had really steady growth. And we've got a you know, very successful MSP based on 100% service first and customer satisfaction, good communication. Which is why we love tools like SimpleSat because it helps us keep the relationship good and keep the relationship solid and, uh, and let us know when there's a problem so that we can get out there and fix it. What does that mean to you? What is your understanding? How do you measure customer satisfaction? You could use a product like your product, like SimpleSat is a great way to measure client satisfaction. And But um, generally, it's sort of in relationships in general. You know, when we've used customer feedback modules, we get very good, very positive customer feedback 99% of the time. And when we get a middle face instead of a smiley face, that's an emergency. You know, that's an opportunity to go out and fix the situation. So I used to, when I was starting out, if I got some sort of a negative feedback, you know, I'd react very badly to it. I would, uh, I would get upset and I would go, oh, no, that's not our fault. That's the customer's fault or that's somebody else's problem. And now when we get that feedback, if we get negative feedback or if somebody is upset about something, I love it. It's the best thing that happens because it's an opportunity for us to go out and fix it and fix it in a big, big way. So it's an opportunity for us to go above and beyond and say, okay, this client isn't happy. We're going to acknowledge that. We're going to fix it. We're going to give them more than they wanted back. We're going to over-deliver on fixing this. And now the client knows what we're made of. The client knows that we're not just out to sell to them, but we're standing behind what we do. We're there when it's bad. We're going to take care of them when they're upset. And, uh, and now that's a client that is a client for life. You know, you've taken a situation where the client is unhappy and you've turned it into a client for life who's going to go out and talk to everybody they know and say, these guys really, you know, came through in a big way. So that's what we like to do. That's what we love to do. We really push that. We're always looking for opportunities to go above and beyond outside of scope. 
We never say, oh, you know, that's not part of our contract. We say, let me see what we can do for you here. It's not exactly what we're familiar with, but we want to help. So we're going to find somebody who can do this for you. We're going to build something for you. We're going to figure it out. And it's the same thing with negative customer feedback. If you have somebody who's upset about something, I like to personally take those on myself if I can. We have a really, really whiny, complainy client who's incredibly difficult, who all of my techs are upset with. You know, this person has ridiculous expectations. They can't be pleased. They complain about every ticket. I say, give all of those to me. And I work really, really hard to try and win that person over and overperform because that's how you get better. And that's how you get stronger. That's how you get the good client base as a company. And you have those relationships that last forever is by really, really delivering for people very strongly. So getting that feedback at the time of ticket entry is the big deal. And as the owner of the company, that's almost all I do is deal with any sort of negative feedback or people that are upset. So we love to get that feedback. I love it when people are upset. I tell people, don't call me for technical work. Call me if you're angry about something and I'm going to show up and fix it. Everything that you're saying sounds so refreshing. It's like peace of mind. I know. So positive. I'm very curious. I hope every business owner would have like this mindset. And I'm very curious, like, how did you get into this mindset? And also, I'm curious with Elle, since she's a COO, like, how do you actually get everyone into this mindset as well? Because this is Alex's like mindset, but how do you guys translate that and make that like part of your company culture? I think the first part of it is that Alex, as you can tell, has a really great BS detector. Uh, he hires really well and he hires people who care a lot. And I think that's honestly, when you look at the IT sector, you don't just see people who are just nerds. You see people who are honestly, they're fixers. They want to fix things. They want to be helpful. And sometimes they just don't communicate well. I think that's the first part of it is being wise and who you bring on the team. But the second part is definitely that we incentivize good works, essentially. One of the policies that Alex has is he gives a bonus for a technician who helps change a tire. He has, he has line items for supporting, I don't want to brag about you too much, Alex, I don't want you to get a big head, but he's very generous in his time and work in the community when it comes to nonprofit events or whatever. And it's not just about his name on things. It's we've, you know, a lot of the stuff that we do is altruistic in a way that is, it makes sense for us to do. We have the skills to do it. We're going to go and do the thing. One of the products that we made is called CurbQ. It's a free little nothing software that we pulled together in two weeks as a team as a check-in app during COVID. So to be able to give people a way, mom and pop shops that don't have a way to manage the number of people who are in their building at one time, they can use this app to queue up people who are interested in coming in for appointments and then uh, contact them via text message when they're ready for them to come into the building. So it's this type of stuff where, like Alex said, we can't focus on one thing necessarily all the time because we'll get bored, but what we do with that energy is that we're naturally generous. That's part of the culture and it's part of what we incentivize. To your point, like you were saying, Nash, that this conversation is somewhat refreshing. I think it's really interesting to consider that there is a little bit of a, a training or a learning curve when it comes to being open-handed and being generous. There's this very scarce mindset sometimes when it comes to our time or our skill or our ability. You know, there's that imposter syndrome and it all kind of like layers on top of each other. And so it requires a lot of training and coaching and teamwork to be able to offer these types of things. You can't just say, well, I'm going to go out and I'm going to be a, you know, a real kick-ass salesperson and I'm going to sell a crap product. You have to be able to have that backed up by, by training, by communication, by all those other things running smoothly. So 
yes, he does keep on people, but you can tell it's from a point of, in a perspective of this is our culture. This is what stands. This is what generosity looks like. One of the things that we do at our MSP that I think is a little bit different is we don't fire clients. We never fire clients. And part of that is because we're in a smaller market and you know stuff like that really, really matters. But part of it is because the bad clients, they make us better. Like we have to figure out the bad clients. And this is this is a, a thing that I've had even when I was just doing a mom and pop break fix shop 15 years ago. I didn't, you know, when the MSP didn't exist, nobody's MSP existed. You know, people would come in, they'd bring in their computer. And uh, the thing that's very easy to do is you wipe the computer and you reload it and you give it back to them and say, you know, whatever is wrong with it, it's fixed now. And we wouldn't allow that or we wouldn't allow it as like a first option. It was, let's spend some time with this. Let's figure out what's really wrong with it. Let's figure out what the underlying issue is. Let's figure out how to fix it. And it's harder to do that. And it's harder to train that. But if you commit to doing that every time, then you become a better technician and your technicians become better technicians and you're able to provide a better product for people it's a lot harder. It's a lot more work to do that. But you know that philosophy has carried over to my MSP, which is the difficult clients, the difficult customers, the customers that don't listen to you, the customers that are cheap, the customers that don't communicate and complain a lot. They're the ones that make you better. If you can fix that relationship, if you can find a way to communicate with that person who doesn't communicate well or always complains or is always cheap or is making bad decisions. If you can figure that out and figure out how to talk to that person, that really, really tough audience, then you can do it again and you can multiply that. And you know, every time you have a client that's cheap, you can find a way to communicate to them, this is best for you and this is the thing that is going to let us take care of you. And you know, this is what we really need to do to move your business forward. And I see so much on uh, you know the message boards on Reddit. You know, if somebody says I have a client that's being difficult, uh, five people will say get rid of them. You know, dump them, get rid of them, throw them out. And I mean, and I understand that. I'm not saying that anybody is wrong, but personally, I am fine with that client because that client is going to. If I can fix that client, then all of my other clients become easier. And if I can figure out that relationship, everything becomes easier. So we like to lean into challenges and lean into difficult situations because it makes us stronger and it makes us better. And because if you can fix that client, they're going to be your client for life. And anytime you screw up and it's on you and your team drops the ball or messes up a bill or has some sort of technical problem, they're going to remember when you were there for them and that relationship will carry through and it'll be a little bit of give and take, but it forgives all sorts of sins and it makes everything a lot easier going forward. So that's one of our pillars that we push for. And again, that's uh, why a product like SimpleSat is excellent is because it gives you actual quantifiable, measurable feedback as to how you're doing and how happy people are and uh, and how content they are and where you need to spend your time and where you can be you know we look at the clients that are upset for little reasons that's low hanging fruit and you help us identify that low hanging fruit that improves our relationships which in turn improves our bottom line and lets us get away with not having a lot of marketing or not having a lot of client churn 
What are the obstacles that you guys have gone through as a company coming from point A to point B? And where are you now? One of the biggest things is we've had to learn to sort of not suffer in silence. So if we're doing these things for people, if we're going the extra mile for people, we have to find a way to very politely and very casually make sure that they realize what we're doing for them and the extra effort that we're putting in. Because a lot of the time, what we do behind the scenes, clients, they don't see what technology providers do. They don't know about the late hours. They don't know that you've been overnight babysitting their server for some reason. So we've had to learn to have discussions with people about what we've done and make sure that they're sort of aware of the, the efforts going in. We're not necessarily charging them for it or complaining about it. We're just letting them know what's going on and making sure that they're aware of it. We've had to sort of learn to do that uh, because you can do all of this work and really take care of people. But if they don't know, then you're not going to get the upside of that. You're not going to get the benefit of that. So that's been one thing that we've had to kind of figure out, which all goes back to having really strong communication, making sure that things are being written up and discussions are happening and everybody is talking to everybody and they know what's going on. So I think that's been the hardest thing to learn. And it's been the hardest thing to push as a group because people don't like talking to people. People would rather do anything but have these conversations, especially IT nerds that are a little bit introverted and maybe a little bit autistic. And we like to stay away from those conversations. So we've had to learn to lean into that. And that's been an interesting challenge. I think another thing that I've participated in, observed, is that the human aspect, while it's become a more common industry sort of guidepost, is not something that is easy to write up. It's not something, you know, we read a lot. We (laughs) do a lot of research. I personally have like a very academic background. So I love peer-reviewed articles. And there is more more research or more data that suggests approaching things from this very human, generous perspective is going to wash out, come out. And it's going to come out in the long run. It's going to work out for you. But I think it's very difficult because it's against common culture. It's against common knowledge. So it's one of those things where We're like, well, hey, this is working for us. Is there anyone else who is doing this? Is there anyone else that we can model this after? And with our with our product, with we've talked to thousands of MSPs. No two MSPs are the same. No two groups are the same. And so it's really important, I think, uh, and it's been not just a struggle, but something that we've really worked through is finding what works for us specifically, for our market specifically, for our team specifically, and leaning into that. Not just trying to go by what's by the book. You know, Alex mentioned that conference that we went to where the guy listed all of the things that he was doing wrong. And I looked over at Alex's notes and he had like these question marks in it. And he's like, no question mark, no question mark. And it's, there has to be a certain amount of bravery. There's nothing wrong with what he was saying, but it was the first year MBA business uh, handbook, which is sell everything you can for as much money as you can and lock people into the five-year contract and cut your costs as much as possible. That's expensive too. Going out and selling at that level and having those very expensive salespeople that can go out and sign a five-year contract with a big company is very expensive. And we've managed a very strong growth year over year, partially because we don't ever lose clients, you know, because we really, really fight for them very hard, even when they're wrong, even when they're costing us money. We find that 
client that's a bad client one year can be an excellent client the next year if you work with them, if you are willing to put in the effort and you know really get them on board and have tough conversations with them. So having said all of that, I think that there's definitely a happy medium. The only reason that we're so far in this one direction is because I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just showing up and trying to do what I think is the right thing to do. But I think that there's there's something to be said for going out and doing sales and marketing. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. But you can have a, a very profitable business with very good growth by focusing on service or at least making that a really big part of your offering. Yeah, my point just being that it does take a certain amount of bravery to be willing to go against the things that are common knowledge or common sense. And I think that amount of risk when it comes to that human element of learning and teaching others to go in that direction has been a learning curve. Yeah. They say that if you have a really, really good original idea, you don't have to worry about anybody stealing it because you're going to have to ram it down their throats. And so... I don't know that anything that we're doing is like a good original idea, but I don't hear a lot of this at the company events and the MSP channel events are all about, you know, how to sell and how to go out and sell and sell more. And they're not necessarily as focused on the service delivery aspect and the customer satisfaction aspect. That's huge. You can have a hugely successful business without doing any sales or marketing just by really focusing on keeping people happy and taking care of them. And it sounds like I'm really pushing your platform really hard. I'm only doing that like half on purpose, but it is really important to have very good communication and very good metrics and to get a lot of good customer feedback is just absolutely crucial. And ultimately, it's less expensive to do that than uh, to do a lot of things. And it's less stressful and to have good relationships with your staff and good relationships with your clients just makes life a little bit easier and not such a fight and not such a drag every day to come in. This podcast is produced by PodcastMate. PodcastMate produces podcasts for iconic brands and market leaders. PodcastMate makes your podcast production an easy breezy journey. They do the heavy lifting for you so you don't have to. All you got to do is press record. Talk about peace of mind and relief. Check them out at podcastmate.co. Again, that's podcastmate.co. I want to go back to like the difficult customers and the negative feedback. They actually like sharpen you as an IT or a technician or something. I remember what you said, Corey, about... The service recovery paradox. Are you guys familiar with that? Absurd scenario where when you, if after a service blunder, if you are able to recover from it, then you end up with an even more loyal customer, which is exactly what you've been saying this entire time. I didn't know that there was a term for it, but I love that. And I think it's absolutely true. And like I said, I really seek that out. When I first introduce myself to a new client, you know, we go in, we talk to them, we bring them lunch, we say, this is how you communicate with us. This is what we can do for you. I give them all my direct contact information. You know, I tell them I'm the worst technician we have. So don't call me for technical things uh, because everybody else is better than me now. But if you're upset about something, if something didn't go your way, 
one of my techs didn't communicate with you, like, tell me, please tell me, please let me know, because those are huge opportunities. And I don't know exactly how I learned that. I think I just sort of like fell into it because I had to, because I screwed up so much uh, when I was starting out. I hadn't learned how to apologize very well. But now those are great. As soon as we have anything, I am on it. I jump on it. I show up. I drive out to the customer's location. Listen, I'm here. We're going to fix this for you. You can yell at me later, but I'm going to fix this for you right now. And we're going to take care of you through this. And whatever they're asking for, I give them more back. If they're upset, they think that they should get a month of free service, you know, three months of free service. You know, if they think that they shouldn't have to pay for something, whatever, absolutely. You know, we, okay, this one's free. The next one's free. We're going to make this right to you. We're committed to a long term relationship with you. And people get it. You know, if you really put something of value forward, you know, you don't say, oh, you know, we'll give you 10% off on your next bill. Who cares? You put yourself out there and you say, you know, we're going to give you three free months. We're going to uh, give you this server for free. We screwed up and uh, this didn't go well. It cost you money and we're your partner and we're not going to profit off of that. This is going to cost us money too. And it doesn't cost you money because that client stays with you forever. And you just have to look long-term picture and be committed to the relationship and show them that you're committed to the relationship. So we love those opportunities when there's mistakes, when we can show up and take care of it. That's where we really shine. And I think that that's a thing that a lot of MSPs miss the boat on. When something bad happens, some people immediately lawyer up. They immediately get defensive. They immediately try to shift the blame. We lean into the blame. We say, you know, some part of this is our fault and probably more than we realize. And we're going to do everything we can to take care of it. And if you do that, you don't need the attorneys because the attorneys never enter into it because you're on the client's team and they realize that. Based on what you're saying, I can sense that you really have put so much emphasis on human interaction, which I can imagine may not be a common practice in in the MSP industry. So is it not exhausting for you, actually? Like, I can't imagine like all these human interactions, building relationships. Like, sure, it sounds really good and refreshing. But eventually, you, you come to a point where maybe you feel like you're spreading yourself too thinly or like, where's the limit? I think you're right. I mean, I think that there is a limit. I'm probably at it personally, because I've got a couple of companies now. So yes, you're right. It is a huge time commitment to do this. And I really enjoy it. If you deliver for people, they say nice things about you, which is really nice. So I really like that. You know, I guess I'm I'm addicted to it sort of. So I like to show up you know, really deliver for people. So they say nice things about me. It is a lot of work. And it's a lot of effort. In a lot of ways, it's easier too, because you feel good about it at the end of the day. You don't ever feel like, hey, I I tricked that person into doing business with me, or I conned that person. I'm excited about what they're doing. I'm excited about their business. I'm excited to get involved in it. And I know that what we're bringing them is something that they need and something of value and something that's fairly priced. They're going to get as much out of it as I do. The other part of this, I'm going to pitch our products, is the other part of this isn't just 
the relationship aspect, but also automating as much of that as you can. And so we talked about how our product started as a joke. You know, if we could just have a panic button that people could hit whenever they had a problem, you know, that would solve it. But then, you know, we kind of expanded on that instead of Alex having to, you know, or our technicians having to contact the client multiple times and kind of spend that energy, that administrative overhead, that relationship overhead on getting in touch with people. Our product takes all the diagnostic information of what's going on at that point in time for the user. It takes the screenshots. We call it our instant replay of the last 20 actions. So instead of them having to spend time doing the labor of having to run dozens of diagnostic tests to be able to identify what's going on, they can spend that time having the conversations as humans. So that's, I think that's the other part of what he's done to kind of alleviate that pressure is we have that first aspect of our product. And we also have a new feature. We have toast notifications on ticket status change. So instead of you know having to remember, well, I did this technical work and then I need to have this conversation so that they know what's going on, when a technician does the work, puts that information in the ticket, it sends a toast notification to the client. So there's a constant communication process that's happening that you don't always have to be on top of. You're helping automate it instead of forcing it. So that's the other the other part of his process there. One of our rules for a long time has been not to put private notes in tickets. Even if what you are doing is extremely technical and the client is not going to understand it, they have no idea what your notes are about. We make those public and we sort of push for those to be public because it lets people see that, hey, somebody's working on this. You know, There's something being done. Maybe I don't understand what's being done, but stuff's being done. So we give clients a notification when a note is made. We give clients a notification when a ticket is handed off to another person, you know, when it's assigned, when any status on it changes, you know, we push that communication back to them so they can get that that constant feedback as to the status of things. They don't think that they're being forgotten. They don't think that they're being ignored. They can see, oh, there's actually a lot that goes into resolving my problem and these people are working on it very hard instead of trying to package everything up and give it to them at the end, they can see you know, everything that's going into it and the, a little bit of the process and, and what it takes. And then you get that appreciation back, which is you know, what I was saying earlier. It's not just about doing it for the client. It's about sort of letting them see everything that you're doing for them so that they understand the value that they're getting from you. You know, that's part of our platform now where we we push back notifications to people as as things happen. They get a little pop-up on their computer that says, you know, your ticket, you know, was assigned to this technician or it's been moved to you know, uh, parts or shipping or uh, you know, you have an estimate available, all those things. Uh, but we did that internally for years before we had our platform is we just sort of pushed letting people know about everything. And and one of our rules on communication is also that it doesn't count as communication unless it's bi-directional. So if you send somebody an email and they don't respond, or uh, you send somebody, a, a, you, uh, you leave a voicemail or a call and they don't respond back, then it doesn't count as you communicating with them because they haven't acknowledged and accepted uh, the thing that you said. And you don't know if they've seen it and you don't you don't know if you've actually communicated a, a thought or an idea to them. So that's just central to everything that we do is just having really good optics and communications for what we're doing for people uh, because it helps manage that relationship. With all these things, I'm curious, like what would be like the main takeaways that you can share to our listeners with your best practices? And then what are the things that they can take action on immediately? Right. Like let's say you're 
up at that conference where the guy was saying everything that you hated. And let's now let's assume for a moment that you're not doing everything wrong, you're doing everything right. So like, like Nash said, what are the things, the five things or whatever that you would be preaching on the stage? So first off, that guy was a very smart guy, but I would be able to take his clients from him. And that's what we have done over and over in our very small market in middle Georgia is we've taken clients repeatedly from the sales-focused MSPs because they aren't delivering the services and because our sales are coming from our clients who are out there evangelizing about us. So I would say you can cut your costs significantly by delivering good service. And I think that a lot of people don't realize that. They think that service delivery is an expense and you want to do it as cheaply as possible. But if you do it well, you know it can generate sales and it can decrease churn. And so it improves your bottom line to have good service delivery. I would say that really, really strong communication goes hand in hand. That if you're doing a great job for people, you have to find a way to make sure that they're aware that you're doing a great job for them and that they're aware that you have gone above and beyond. So, you know, you have to find ways to communicate that in lots and lots of different ways. It's not an email or a ticket line item or a face to face meeting, it's all of those things. You have to look for opportunities to go above and beyond. You have to look for opportunities to do things that are outside of your scope. You have to look for opportunities to say, our contract says that we do this, but we're going to do this for you too. Like This is all we're supposed to do. This is all you agreed to. But we can do this for you also. We're going to do this for you also. I would say you have to lean into trusting people. You have to lean into people's good intentions and trusting people. And because most people are trustworthy and most people want to be trustworthy, they don't think of themselves as bad people. And every once in a while, you'll get burned by that. You'll run into somebody who's really just terrible. But that's a cost of doing business. And if you lean into trusting people and taking their word for things, it makes everything much easier and faster and smoother and more streamlined if you can have a relationship where you take people at their word, then they're going to be likely to take you at your word. Uh, I probably have a fifth. I don't know what it is. Any last message? And where can people find you? We're uh, Tier 2 Technologies. Our platform product is Tier 2 Tickets. Most people know us as the Help Desk Button company. So you can look up Help Desk Buttons or Tier 2 Tickets and and see what we have to offer. It's kind of a simple idea, but we have a, a really strong, very powerful platform behind it. And I think that a lot of people sort of dismiss it as a gimmick, especially technicians. But once they get in and they log in, they see that, oh, we have some real technology backing up our platform and some very powerful automations that are in a spot that there's not really any automations. You know, We work to sort of automate the end user. And that's a thing that not a lot of people are doing or finding ways to do. So I guess the way is go look at our stuff and uh, you know, go look at SimpleSat and, and everything that they're doing. And yeah, that's all I got. I think if people like the things that we said here, it's really important to note that Tier 2 tickets and Help Us Buttons were built on a lot of these concepts. Our culture is infused in this. That's sort of that process of taking care of people and not requiring someone who doesn't have any experience in technology to know anything technical. That's a big driving factor in our product to be able to give that human touch without requiring the load to be on your end user. 
So we do have a free tier of 25 endpoints, full feature that people can try out. They can just go to helpdeskbuttons.com slash register. And we look forward to like seeing people on their journey to this uh, adventure, human interaction as it is shown by IT services. All right, guys, that's helpdeskbuttons with an S. Helpdeskbuttons.com. Helpdeskbuttons.com slash register. Do you have any email that they can send an email to for inquiries and stuff? I think probably going to the website is the best way to go. Uh, but we've got all of our contact info up there. So uh, people have questions, they can open a chat or send us an email or call us. All right. Well, thank you so much, Alex and Al from Help Desk Buttons. Thank you. Hey, thank you guys for having us. This was a lot of fun. People don't usually let me talk this much. They stop me, but I appreciate it. This is great, guys. Now you made it easy for us. You made it really easy for us. It was like so refreshing to actually, because like with SimpleSat, it's very parallel with SimpleSat's philosophy, right, Corey? Like so far, like the people that we're connecting with, partnering with have like the same philosophy about like customer satisfaction that no, it's, it's not about sales. It's really about like over delivering. Yeah, just doing the right thing and having faith that it's going to work out. And it usually does. Yeah, but you also, there's a, there's a sense, I think there's like, there's a harmony that you feel as well. I know personally, I feel out of balance when the pricing is not right or if the, you know, I'm ripping someone off or you feel like you're ripping someone off. So I feel good deep down and I believe that that's what works out in the long run. So feels like you guys feel the same way. Yeah. 100% agree. Thank you for having us. Thanks for listening to the Customer Satisfaction Project. We hope that this episode has given you new insights and introduced fresh perspectives in looking at customer service. If you find this helpful, I'm sure your friend will too. Share this with your friends. Don't keep us a secret. And don't forget to follow or subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to this. The Customer Satisfaction Project is hosted by Nash Maiwala and Corey Brown. This podcast is brought to you by SimpleSat, the customer feedback system that works. Check them out at simplesat.io to get your 14-day free trial. This show is produced by PodcastMate, producing podcasts for iconic brands and market leaders. Head on over to podcastmate.co to start your own podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch up with you on the next episode.